athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. I think, I think very deeply. In about four seconds, a teacher will begin to speak. I think very deeply. Welcome to another edition of Box to Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. In the words of WWE superstar L.A. Knight, let me talk to you because we got a lot to get to on today's program. I want to, well, let me set the table for you today. We're going to talk some National Football League today here on the program. Steve Weich of NFL Network going to join us on the program. The season has already started and it ramps up. This Sunday, the National Football League is back. I'm super excited. And he's going to help us to preview some of the teams and talk about the National Football League as a whole on today's program. So uh, if you're a Steelers fan, a Titans fan, a Commanders fan, uh, who else? A, A Tampa Bay fan. And a couple of other teams where uh, Box to Row has markets. Panthers, of course, we're big with the Panthers with our affiliate in Charlotte. The 7:30, the game, ESPN, as well as uh, Buzz Sports Radio and uh, WRVS, and all of the great, you know, uh, uh, Orangeburg, ESPN, Orangeburg, all of the great stations. Throughout the North, the Carolinas, North and South Carolina. So, Steve White of NFL Network going to join us today on the program. Damon Wilson, the head football coach at Morgan State, going to join us today on the program. I'm going to lay the groundwork for that conversation uh, in a moment. Also, going to talk some Colorado and Dion today. Is that a big win? I mean, that's a big win for Colorado over TCU. Last week, so we'll talk about that. The games, uh, the HBCU games of the week. Um, we're going to talk about, there's a couple of games that we're going to talk about. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk Jackson State and Southern. That game going to be played in Baton Rouge. It's always a big game because you that, I mean, you know, it, it, that game is going to be sold out in Baton Rouge. You're talking about the two Best fan bases probably in all of HBCU football in terms of traveling, especially Jackson State. You know the Jackson State faithful are going to travel to that football game. And uh, it's a big game. Uh, It's a big game for a number of different reasons. If you're Southern, you're looking to lick your wounds after a tough loss to Alabama State, whereas Southern has been picked to win the SWAC's Western Division. Meanwhile, on the other side, Jackson State, after that nice win in the MEAC SWAC Challenge a couple of weeks ago over South Carolina State, took one on the chin to Florida A&M in, at, in the Orange Blossom Classic 
in Miami Gardens, Florida last Sunday. And really, the Rattlers get over the hump. And so we're going to preview Jackson State and Southern. Then we're also going to preview North Carolina A&T and North Carolina Central, the Aggie Eagle rivalry. I can't give a prediction on this game. I'm going to recuse myself from giving her a prediction on the game as the play-by-play voice for North Carolina A&T football. However, I'm going to break the game down, and I'm looking forward to being in Greensboro on Saturday evening calling that football game. We want you to participate as always here. We got, listen, got a big show, a lot to get to today on the program. We want you to participate. Hit us up via Twitter at box to row B-O-X, or X as it's called. Uh, hit us up via X, Twitter or X, whichever you still prefer. B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Follow us while you're there. Also on Facebook, if you want to hit us up on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W. If you want to hit us up uh, on Instagram, you can do that as well. B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. So thankful to all of our phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal affiliates around the country. That carry box to row. Uh, I mentioned 7.30 the game, ESPN in Charlotte. Uh, I mentioned also Buzz Sports Radio in Raleigh. I mentioned ESPN Orangeburg in South Carolina. That carries the program, WRVS in Elizabeth City. That carries the program. So many great stations, WGBN in Pittsburgh. Those that listen to us on Sirius XM, channels 142 and channel 84. And those that listen to us around the world at BoxToRow.com. So, big win for Morgan State against Richmond. Richmond nationally ranked in. Let me do this before I get into talking about Morgan State and the victory by Morgan State over Richmond, which was a huge win. And again, Damon Wilson, the head football coach of the Bears, going to join us a little bit later on in the program. I've got to talk about the HBCU National Players of the Week. Got to talk about the HBCU National Players of the Week. And we're going to begin with Morgan State linebacker, Eric Hunter had a big game, 11 tackles, a tackle and a half for loss, a sack and a half, including a huge sack fumble in the fourth quarter with the game tied at 10 apiece that led to Morgan State scoring what amounted to the game-winning touchdown. So Eric Hunter, the HBCU or one of the HBCU National Players of the Week, and then Tyrell Jackson, the quarterback from Johnson C. Smith, the other HBCU National Player of the Week. And uh, Tyrell Jackson, 19 of 28, 229 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. As I think the the Golden Bulls made a statement victory. That's a statement win over West Virginia Wesleyan, 49 to 6. I think Johnson C. Smith is a team um, that is going to have something to say about that CIAA Southern Division. So back to Morgan State. It was a monumental win for the Bears. And the Bears were the talk of FCS football, talk of HBCU football all week. And that that hasn't happened. Now, 
you know, I say this a lot on this program. We think of some of the great HBCU football programs of all time. Coming to mind immediately would be Grambling. I mean, I think that's first and foremost in most people's mind because uh, of Eddie Robinson and uh, just the publicity that Grambling has had over the years playing in Japan and playing, you know, all over the country back in the day and all of the great National Football League players that have played and uh, those that have gone on to, to, to go to the Hall of Fame, the Willie Davises, the Buck Buchanans, the list goes on and on. Then you would think about, you know, you would think about Jackson State and you would think about Tuskegee. I mean, Tuskegee's the the HBCU program with the most victories all time. So you would think about Tuskegee. You may even think about Tennessee State, especially back in the day with the John Marriage. You would think about Florida A&M um, also. And the program that gets left off of this list, when you talk about all-time greats, is Morgan State University. We forget because over the last 40-plus years, it just hasn't gone well for the Morgan State program overall. Uh, you, you, if you look at the last, uh, going back, let's say from uh, from from even the '80s, because uh, you know what happened with Morgan. Morgan decided, and I think it was in 1979, to uh, to come out of the MEAC, go back to Division II. I don't remember if they joined, rejoined the CIAA, and then in '84 went back to the MEAC. But it had been, I mean, tough times. You talk about lack of winning seasons. Uh, you know, Donald Hill Ely arrives and things get a little bit better. Um, and then, of course, in 2014, Lee Hull leads the program to a, to a, a winning season. And it may not have been an overall winning season because Morgan did lose that playoff game. So Morgan may have been 6-6, six and six, but regular season, a winning season and a share of the MEAC crown and a berth in the FCS playoffs. But outside of that, I mean, it's been few and far between in terms of success at Morgan State. I said this early on. Damon Wilson left Bowie State to become the head coach at Morgan State. It was the right move. It was just going to be a matter of time. Now, I give it to you. It's just one football game. It's one football game. But it's a big football game um, and over a nationally ranked team. Now, we'll have to see how the rest of the season plays out. The thing about it, no matter, the Bears have a really good running game. And while the quarterback position is not necessarily settled, and we'll talk more with Coach Wilson about that, the defense is elite. It is an elite defense. And defense can carry you far, especially in the MEAC. Okay? Defense is the matter, as a matter of fact, in the MEAC, defense is the way to go. And that permeates even outside of the MEAC when you're talking about out of conference play. Because remember, most all of, I mean, more the MEAC as a whole plays more out of conference games than it plays in conference games six to five uh, in terms of out of conference games, six games, five games in against various MEAC opponents. So I think that bodes well. Um, and I think that's going to bode well for. Morgan State, and we'll see what happens. A, a, a really good test against Akron this Saturday 
on the road. We had some, you know, you had some big wins. Week one was interesting. You had a lot of D2 wins over FCS opponents. You had Virginia State knocking off Norfolk State. Uh, you had Central State knocking off Mississippi Valley State. Uh, there's one that's not coming to my mind immediately right now. Oh, goodness. Um, there was another really big win, and I'll, I'll have to uh, think about it and, and get back uh, with you. It was another really big win. Um, but, you know, it, it was an interesting, a better week one amongst HBCUs than we've generally seen from week one in terms of wins and against uh, non-HBCU opponents. I mean, that's something that we've talked about, I think, a lot uh, over the years, over the program, especially because you have a lot of these money games. But I think week one uh, went well. You had some close games. I mean, you had West Virginia State falling by two points, uh, playing up to Moorhead State. So you, you really had some big football games and some good wins. You know, Howard didn't beat Eastern Michigan. Howard played well. By the way, the other game I was thinking about, Bowie State defeated Delaware State. Um, you know, even if you look at Elizabeth City State, maybe that program's on the come up, only falling by eight points to Catawba with really a chance to maybe win that football game. So a big week in HBCU football for week one. You've got it locked to Box to Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. We're going to step aside, take a break, come back with more of the program. Don't go anywhere. The time is now, Aggie fans. The North Carolina A&T football team opens up its home schedule against rival North Carolina Central on Saturday, September 9th. The game is sponsored by Marcus T. Johnson. Kickoff is at 7 p.m. Let's get Aggie land rocking for the 2023 version of Aggie Eagle. Purchase your tickets online at ncatagis.com and adhere to the clear bag policy. You can also call the ticket office at 336-334-7749. September 9th, Aggie Eagle in Greensboro. Aggie Pride. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. All Weaver Street Markets. Harris Teeter. Food Lion. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, and Barica Soul. 
BoxToRow.com is the website for all of your HBCU sports needs. From the game of the week feature to interviews to the latest news in the world of HBCU sports, BoxToRow.com has you covered. Missed a week of From the Press Box to Press Row? BoxToRow.com has all the archive shows. Don't forget to check out the All-American teams and weekly media coaches polls. From the Press Box to Press Row. And BoxToRow.com, your HBCU sports leader. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Let's keep things moving here on Box to Row. Joined by a gentleman in his second season as the head football coach at Morgan State. The Bears with a huge, huge victory last Saturday over nationally ranked Richmond going to be back on the road on Saturday against FBS opponent Akron. Damon Wilson, the head football coach of the Morgan State Bears, joins us here on Box to Row. Coach Wilson, uh, what's going on, man? Hey, every, everything is well. You know, we're just getting off the field. Had a good practice today uh, as we prepare for Richmond. Uh, but everything's moving in the right direction for sure. No doubt. Again, um, condolences on the loss of your of your father, the funeral is going to be on uh, on Monday. For, for you, is it how is it? I don't want to say difficult. How is it handling the emotions of the loss of your father and 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 still trying to you know coach this program? First of all, thank you. Um, it's it's difficult, but the thing I have around a great support system uh, with regard to my family and my my players and my coaches. You know, they've been here through the whole whole process with me and. Uh, you know, I had to miss a practice or two, and I, the guys were in good hands. You know, when I returned back to practice after two days, you know, it's like we never missed a beat. Uh, so I have a lot of good people around me that are, are assisting uh, as we move this program forward. And uh, you know, the players been showing a lot of love and support um, to myself, and I just to me to my to my family as well. So you know, that that really means a lot to me. Uh, it definitely will be difficult. My dad was my first coach. You know, he's the one that kind of got me into this whole deal, and uh, it would be difficult, but he prepared me. Uh, for this next step in life, you know. So, you know, I'm, I want to say I'm excited about this step, but I'm prepared for this step, and that's where we are. Yeah, no doubt. I'm sure a wonderful man based upon you and, and your career and all the – I mean, not not just on the field stuff, the off the field stuff right. and the person, you know, certainly that you are. Um, yeah. uh, Richmond, I mean, I mean every, everybody's talk – I mean, when I say everybody, I don't just mean in HBCU. I mean in mm-hmm. FCS, you guys were presented – uh, on Tuesday with the FCS, you know, the FCS um, Team of the Week award. Like, this is a big deal. Your thoughts on the victory over Richmond, not just on the field, but what it means for the – and has meant for the Morgan State program. Well, like you said, it's a big-time win. You know, we went into their place. They're a top-20 team, and, uh, you know, we're just Morgan State. We're trying to figure it out, trying to find our way, and our guys played, a set, uh, played extremely well. And, uh, I mean, we, we, we played disciplined football for four quarters, uh, we took advantage of opportunities that presented themselves. Uh, this is big. You know, this is big to step in the right direction. Uh, like I told the guys, hey, receiving accolades and awards early in the year are great. You know, we don't we don't want to, uh, you know, shortchange the importance of receiving those awards. However, we want to put ourselves in position to receive those awards in in, uh, uh, in December. You know, that's really when, you, when you're talking about championship caliber teams, you're talking about on the late fall, uh, early winter. And that's something that we want to focus on and to be in a position to uh, be in a conversation in, in November and December. 
Uh, but this, this is big time. Like I said, being recognized as the uh, FCS uh, team of the week, that's a major accomplishment, a major honor. And we're, we're going in the right direction with this program, I believe. You know, with that, like, how do you temper temper that? Because, I mean, again, this has been a program. I mean, you go back to the 2014 season when, when it was a five-way tie. You know, mm-hmm. certainly in the MIAC and Morgan had the two of the three tiebreakers enabled uh, the Bears to go to the playoffs. But, you know, and then there's been some, I mean, a and I think it was back-to-back seasons when A&T was nationally ranked. Th- those were big wins as well. But how do you sort of calm everybody down, particularly the players, and, you know, prepare for Akron? It's, that's a great question, but it's funny you ask. It's something we talked about. You know, I told the guys that we were going to, uh, you know, we were going to be successful. Uh, we we're going to have an opportunity to uh, open some eyes. Those guys have, you know, kind of brought into that. But then our next step is how we handle success. You know, then you go to how you sustain success. So the, the good thing about it, I have a reference point. I've gone through this before. Uh, I, I've learned a lot from mistakes that I've made in the past uh, with regards to handling team after success or, or, or a win. Uh, so I have a reference point. I'm, I'm I'm teaching. We're talking to the guys about it. So right now we're at that place where we're back to neutral. How you handle success? That game was last Saturday. We have a major challenge ahead of us in Akron, and uh, we have to be prepared to play these guys on Saturday. Couple more thoughts with respect to Richmond, and then res- I mean, respectfully and respecting what you're saying. Um, we're gonna move on. Well, first thought is, can you you know all the wins you had at Bowie State? Um, uh, you know, you, you had so much success. I mean, is there, is there a win there that sort of equates to this particular win? Well, I thought about that. Um, I want to say that West Alabama win, that was the first playoff win of the university at Bowie State University. And I think that that win really opened eyes, uh, and allowed other conferences in division two to recognize, uh, that the CIAA plays good football, you know, so that win there, I think is, is kind of equal to. Um, this type of win just at another level. Uh, but for me, it, it holds the same type of importance. The only difference is that West Alabama win was in the playoffs. You know, so once again, you want to be able to be relevant in November and December. Uh, but yeah, that win there was pretty equal to the one uh, we just had uh, against Richmond. Damon Wilson, again, in his second season as the head football coach at Morgan State, he joins us here on Box to Row. Eric Hunter, I mean, speak to the kind of player he is. If you look at the numbers from his first year to last year, uh, he made an improvement, 11, what, 11 tackles in this game, a big, uh, big sack fumble uh, late that enabled you to score the go-ahead uh, touchdown. Speak to how good a player he is or can be. Big-time player. Big-time player. I mean, he's a guy that has a, a endless motor, but he also prepares. His, our, our linebacker's office is right next to my office. He's always in our linebacker's coach's office watching film uh, break, and breaking down himself. He's, uh, he's, a, he's, really, he's pretty tough on himself. He holds himself to a high standard. Uh, he has a, a tremendous amount of athletic ability, uh, and he wants to be developed and wants to be coached. So he's taking great coaching from day one. Coach Brawley has done a good job uh, preparing him to play. And uh, he's a kid that I think is probably one of the best backers in FCS football. Uh, on the other side of the football, J.J. Davis, your thoughts on his uh, first game as a kid, you know, going back to his true freshman year, I believe, in 2019. You're like, man, this guy's going to be really, really good. Maybe didn't fit so whatever the case was at Norfolk is what it was. Um, but mm-hmm. your thoughts on his on his first game? Man, he, he, he did a great job for us. You know, he, he's uh, it's kind of backing up Jabril Johnson right now. Who Jabril? I mean, we have four running backs that probably either one of them could start. Uh, Jabril did a good job, but JJ was a good change of pace uh, back for us. 
Uh, like I said, JJ had a lot of success at, at Norfolk his freshman year, and uh, he graduated from Norfolk and decided to come here and join Coach Sherman, who's just coordinated there at Norfolk. And uh, so he's familiar with the system. He's a guy that we can move around, and uh, we're really excited about the things that he can do with the ball in his hands. Damon Wilson, the head football coach at Morgan State, joins us here on the program. Um, you know, sort of for you, I know you're preparing for Akron. It's the next next game. But I, I noticed on the conference call, on the MIAC conference call, you talked a little bit about the quarterback position. Um, it, it, maybe it's not settled at, at this point. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts on the position and, and how it looks moving forward? Yeah, well, you, you, we, you know me. We typically had one guy, and we were, we were run with that guy the whole year. This camp was pretty interesting, man. Uh, we had two guys really battling it out. And to be honest, we had to have a third and um and, and deuce who's another guy that's played college ball but we wanted to see dominic anthony he was at odu he uh did not play there but he was there several years so we want to get him some playing time and see how he does under the whistle uh carson baker's a guy that knows the system he's a year in the system now uh so we told both of those guys they were going to play uh in game one and we're going with that same mindset the same approach in the second game of the season uh we're trying to kind of fill it out when we're in this non-conference schedule, we can go with the hot hand if if there is one, uh, you know, moving forward when we get in conference play. So, I mean, to your point, that's not something you've generally done. And, boy, you've, you've had a plethora. I mean, you had – I remember, forget what year, you had a guy go down, guy step right in. I mean, it was just – it was crazy the 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 riches that you had in terms of uh, of quarterback. Speak to how, as a coach, sometime you, you – uh, uh, situations dictate – what happens is sometimes you have to change your philosophy. Uh, indeed. And the good thing about it, both of the, well, all three of the guys have similar skill sets. So that helps us. So we don't have to change anything schematically. And all three of those guys are really selfless players. They just want the team to be successful. At the end of the game, they, they all want to play, of course. But they, they understand if, if Carson's in there and he's handling his business, then, hey, they're going to support him, you know, and um, – uh, a deuce did a great job on the sideline. Uh, that's uh, Antoine Taylor did a great job on the sideline communicating with the quarterbacks when they came out. You know, I basically we basically picked up another coach on the sideline uh, on the game this past Saturday because he was he was really involved with their um, uh, communication uh, once those guys came off the field on Saturday. Two last thoughts. You look at the Baltimore and Washington area been basketball i've been gone for a while but when i was coming through it was all about basketball i mean you got you have athletes right so you're going to have some good football players it's all about basketball seems however that the football is starting to really matter a whole lot more um your thoughts maybe on how uh how football particularly at the high school level has grown in the in the uh, baltimore and washington area i think this change like i said it's changed probably over the last seven or eight years uh, at one time, you know, uh, the, the DMV, if you will, wasn't a heavily recruited area. Now you pretty much have everyone coming in our backyard to recruit. And I think, and to your point, the high school coaches, I think you get some better quality coaches. Uh, I think the, the guys are playing youth ball and all that good stuff throughout the year. That's helping uh, their skill set. Um, but we have different schools that we can go to now and feel pretty good about the guys that we can uh, recruit out of those uh, uh, high schools that give us a chance to be successful. But a lot of go, lot, a lot goes to the high school coaching and the preparation they're putting into it. Strength and conditioning has picked up in this area, and I think we're seeing, you know, seeing that in the student athletes once they leave high school. Last thought: uh, Akron coming off the loss to start the season to Temple, tough loss. Uh, for Akron, your thoughts on some of the challenges that Akron presents? Team speed. Those guys are fast offensively, uh, up front defensively, physical defensive line. They bring give you a lot of different looks. 
that you must be sound in your protection as well as your run game rules. Uh, so they're going to present several challenges for us. Uh, kicking game is the area that we have to, once again, be sound in. Uh, but if we come out and play uh, Morgan State football, we'll put, give ourselves a chance to be successful. Damon Wilson, again, in his second season as the head football coach at Morgan State. The Bears coming off again, the victory uh, over Richmond. But on Saturday, going to be on the road again, taking on Akron. Coach Wilson, we appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Bears. Yes, sir. I appreciate you, brother. We're switching gears, talking NFL with Steve White of NFL Network next. This is your weekly edition of the HBCU Blitz presented by Box to Row. I'm your host, Donald Ware. First, I'm going to take you to Richmond, Virginia for the matchup between Richmond and Morgan State. The score was tied at 10 apiece in the fourth quarter. We're going to pick things up with about six and a half remaining in the fourth quarter and Richmond driving. Wickersham to throw in the pocket, steps up, going to be dumped, ball loose, Bears have it. Morgan jumps on the rock inside the 10. So Morgan State now having possession first and goal. Gets a snap, tailback to Bill Johnson up the middle, touchdown Morgan. 10-yard trot to the crib by Jabril Johnson. The mentor, Lamont Germany. On WEAA, the Bears would hold on to defeat Richmond 17-10. The Bears, the talk of HBCU. Speaking of talking, on the weekend edition of Box to Row, we'll be joined by Morgan State head football coach Damon Wilson. Let me take you around the world of HBCU football in week one. Bill, back to pass, and pocket kind of closed on him. He get a man wide open to 45-40, 35-30. He's going to go all the way, 10-5, touchdown. Albany State on the road at Wingate. Albany State already down 17 to nothing. A 62-yard pass and catch from Noah Bell to Tramel Jones put Wingate up 23 to nothing as Wingate defeated Albany State 30 to 7. That was my main man, Freddie Fresh Suttles, on the Albany State Sports Radio Network. To Miami Gardens, Florida. Marcus Riley finds a hole up the middle and he's going to break free and big play by the Raptors. He's still running down to the 45. He's going to score. He's going to score. Touchdown, fam. You touchdown Rattlers and electric here in Miami Gardens on the first play of the game. Big run by Riley. 96 yard kickoff return to open the game. The Rattlers would go on to defeat the Tigers 28 to 10 in the HBCU national game of the week. Bam, you finally winning one against Jackson State. That was Melvin Bill on the call on Rattler Plus. To a crazy game in Norfolk, Virginia. The Labor Day Classic between Norfolk State and Virginia State. With time winding down, Norfolk State trailing by three. An opportunity to kick a field goal and force overtime. Listen to what happened. Final play of the game. Oh, oh yeah! Snap. He threw the ball! Snap. He threw the, the ball! He threw the ball! He threw the ball! 40, 50, oh my God. 30, 20, Dante Clark this runs it all the way in. Well, that was John Emmett on WVST. Dante Clark taking it 77 yards the other way. Virginia State upset. Norfolk State 33-24. to to Houston for another Labor Day Classic, this time between Texas Southern and Prairie View A&M. We're going to pick things up 
late in the third quarter. Shotgun formation for the Tigers. Handoff is to the Darius. Long time. First down yards and more. He can take it to the house. To the 50. The 40. The 30. The 20. He will not be caught. Touchdown the Darius Lawrence. Touchdown Tigers. 77 yards in Texas Southern. Led 34 to 17. Prairie View A&M would come back. We're going to move now to the fourth quarter. About a minute remaining. Prairie View A&M trails Texas Southern 34 to 27, but PV is driving. Ball at the 15-yard line. Conley back to pass. Oh, my goodness. Has time. Cross the middle. Touchdown. With just 49 seconds remaining in the fourth quarter, Spieler on the reception. We were headed to overtime, tied at 34. Texas Southern missed a field goal in overtime. Prairie View AM with an opportunity to respond and win. Ball snap, ball down, kick is up, kick is good. Game over. That was Devin Wade and the Chatterbox on KTSU. Carlos Villa Gomez with the 35 yard field goal, and PV defeated Texas Southern 37 to 34 in overtime. Box to Row, the radio show, airs weekly on radio stations across the country. To listen to the show or for more information, log on to BoxToRow.com. Let's keep things moving here on the program. We're going to talk some National Football League today. And to do so, we have one of the best in the business, Steve Weich of NFL Network. He's a Howard grad. Steve Weich joins us here on the program. What's going on, Steve? Donald, hey, life is good. It's football season. You know, we're here. No no weekends. No weekends until when? Uh, March? <laughs> hey, but that's what it is. Football season is a holiday, man. I know. Well, for you, it's, it's, uh, for you, it's, almost, a, it's almost a 365 a day a year deal, uh, really, for you, as busy as you are. Um, let me start here. I want to get your thoughts on the running back market. I mean, you look at uh, Saquon Barkley. Who, old, who, yep. who ended up, uh, you know, signing his deal more recently. Um, you, you look uh, at the deal that Josh Jacobs ended up signing with incentives that could, could make up to $12 million. I mean, I, you know, the, the, the running back market is an undervalued uh, market, and a lot of the big-time running backs have had uh, difficulties in terms of, of, of signing deals. Yeah, and I, and, I, and, I, and I say this, and I want, want to make it clear. The position is not undervalued the player who plays the position is because running backs get the living daylights knocked out of them. Unlike any other position, the physical toll that running backs take is, is the type of thing that where they can't have the, the, the 15 year careers of a quarterback or an offensive tackle. They, you know, if they touch the ball 20 times a game, they're getting, they're getting hit and hit hard. Then for four or five times a game, they got to sit there and they got to chip or pass protect against guys like Von Miller and Nick Bosa. So they're taking a physical beating. And these teams that have given out big second contracts to running backs, most of them end up regretting it, a la Cowboys and Ezekiel Elliott, after a year or two because the player just isn't physically the same. I mean, Derrick Henry has kind of bucked that trend, and thus far so has Nick Chubb. But it's, it's not going to change. And, and, and some of this is due because the quarterbacks 
are taking up so much of the salary cap, as are the people who affect the quarterback, which is the left tackle, the edge rusher, and the cornerback on the defensive side. So those are the four top highest paid positions, and it's going to continue to be that way as long as the NFL continues skewing the rules and the style of play to benefit the passing game. Let's look at a couple of teams. We're going to begin with the Washington Commanders. For our listeners in Washington on WHBC, WHUR's HD3 channel. And, Steve, what about the Commanders? I think a lot of teams may be, or a lot of people may be sleeping on the Commanders. This was a team, maybe a, a game here or there. It's a team that could have made the playoffs last year. Well, the Commanders, I mean, this could be one of those surprise teams. You know, we don't know what they're going to be. There's not a huge amount of expectation, but i tell you what, in preseason, Sam Howell looked like he was built for this. And I think that's one of the the least talked about, but most talked about stories of anybody who saw him. So Sam Howell plays well. Eric bieniemy has got some talent. We know they've got really good running backs. We know they've got really good wide receivers and their offensive line can play to a certain way, you know? So I, I think it's just an interesting situation. Um, we'll see, you know, also all eyes are going to be on Ron Rivera you know, to see if he's going to be a guy who can win some ball games and keep his job or with new ownership, if he's somebody who could be on the chopping block. But uh, again, there, there, there's a feeling in some circles, but that this is one of those teams that nobody's talking about that could emerge as a potential playoff contender. Well, a, a follow-up to that. Uh, is it possible? And again, new ownership makes a difference, but maybe the thinking was coming in from old ownership that if it doesn't go well for the commanders, that, in fact, the commanders may have may have hired their predecessor in Eric Bieniemy. Could be, could be. I mean, I think I think a succession a succession plan is part of the thinking. But again, new ownership might want something completely different. You know, if one of these stud young coaches like Ben Johnson, who's the offensive coordinator in Detroit, who a lot of teams love, if he becomes available, maybe they go that right. Brian Johnson the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia, if they have another good year, he's somebody a lot of teams are high on. So even though Eric Bieniemy has earned an opportunity to be a head coach, um, I think a lot depends on, one, what ownership wants, and two, how good of a season, at the very least, Washington's offense has. Next up, Steve, the Jacksonville Jaguars. For our listeners in Jacksonville on 1010XL, this was a team that made the playoffs on last year and a team poised to – Kind of take that next step. Jaguars should win the uh, should win the AFC South. I mean, Tennessee's not going to go easily, but you look at this team offensively, and they're loaded, right? A pretty good offensive line. They've got Travis Etienne at running back. Trevor Lawrence is going to be a superstar in the NFL, and they give him Calvin Ridley, and he's had all offseason to work with Ridley and, and all of training camp to work with Ridley, to go to Christian Kirk, to go with so many of the other options they have at tight end. Offensively, this team should be so much better, especially when you hear – Opposing coaches talk about the growth Trevor Lawrence showed last season, reading defenses, understanding coverages, understanding protecting how he, he was he was like a, a five year veteran. That's only gonna gonna improve. Defensively, got a really good coordinator, but it is showtime or go time for some of these edge rushers that they keep drafting and fail to live up to expectations. Trayvon Walker, last year's first overall pick, gotta show up now, right? Josh Allen, hey man, this is this is your time. You've had opportunities you got to be able to rush the quarterback, and they've got to be able to have guys who can win one-on-one. So it's time for those guys on the edges to show up. Talking to some NFL with Steve Weich of NFL Network here on 
the program. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers for our listeners in Tampa on WURK, the uh, Steve, the NFC South, not necessarily strong. And the Bucs uh, struggled last year. Do you think they, you know, may come out of those struggles in 2023? This is one of those teams you say defensively they should be really good, but can they score? With Tom Brady last year, they couldn't score. Um, they also didn't try to run the ball. I think now with Dave Canales, the new offensive coordinator, they'll get some things in order, but they've got to be able to run the football. And that's, that's a huge thing. You can't have Baker Mayfield out here throwing it 40 times a game every game like Tom Brady did. That is a recipe for disaster, even though the Bucks have got that great wide receiving core. So defensively, again, guys like Shaq Barrett, Vita Villa, you know, Levante David, guys like that, you know, that, that, that's, that's a really, really good unit for Todd Bowles. But it's just in, interesting when you see how so many of these other teams in that division look like they're going to be on the uptick, the Saints. Atlanta's really done a good job building out its roster. And Carolina, they could be better than what people think. So Tampa is, is in a really precarious situation, and everything with them repeating as champs or even contending to be in the playoffs depends on their ability to probably put up at least 22, 23 points a game, which, you know, that, that's real hit or miss for the way that offense is run. Staying in the NFC South, Steve, and looking at the Saints for our listeners in New Orleans on WAMF, the voice of the people. Maybe, you know, if any team is poised to win the South and ready to win it right now, it's wide open, perhaps it's the Saints. All right, New Orleans Saints, to me, they, they are the, the, the cream of the NFC South. I think Derek Carr is going to be a significant upgrade. His confidence, his leadership, the way that players tend to rally around him, I, I think it's, it's, it's huge. Defensively, you know, this is a team that routinely is top five in most major statistical categories. Got a Hall of Fame defensive end in Cameron Jordan, the most underrated player in the NFL, linebacker, Demario Davis. They've got studs in the secondary. Right. My thing I'm watching with the Saints is if Michael Thomas can come back to be anything close to what he was. He was such a dynamic wide receiver before he had these injuries that have basically sidelined him for more than two seasons. If he comes back to pair him with Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid and all of those weapons at tight end, this could be a very, very dangerous team to the point that the Saints could be the team representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. Talking some NFL with Steve Weich of NFL Network, who joins us here on Box to Row. The defending champion, Kansas City Chiefs, for our listeners in Kansas City on KCPZ. Your thoughts? I mean, perhaps, Steve, this is a uh, Kansas City Chiefs team that could repeat as Super Bowl champs. Kansas City Chiefs, wow, start the season most likely without Chris Jones, their stud defensive lineman who can play on the edge, who can play inside. That's no joke. I'm really surprised we're at this point and he is not under contract yet. Because even if he were to sign, getting him back to play a full 50, 60 plays by week one, that's a stretch. You can live without that because you want him in there probably by week six. Um, I know he tweeted maybe uh, week eight by the time he gets a new contract. We shall see. But, you know, to go in thinking that just because you have the best player on the planet, Patrick Mahomes, and a million offensive weapons, you can outscore teams and win, that's not going to work. With the AFC being as loaded as it is, they've got to get Chris Jones eventually under contract within the next couple weeks for them to get back 
to the Super Bowl because there's just too many, too many high-flying teams in the AFC. The Carolina Panthers, for our listeners, specifically in Charlotte on 730 The Game ESPN, but throughout the states of North and South Carolina, this is a Panthers team, at least from the onset, that could be strong defensively and then has the new starting quarterback, the young guy in Bryce Young. If he can kind of get things going, maybe that Panther offense can get going. Clearly a work in progress, as we saw through the preseason, but it seemed week after week, some of the offensive line concerns that we saw early on, they tend to get better. So if that offensive line shores things up, the great offensive minds that they have on that coaching staff are going to put Bryce Young in position to succeed. I mean, he, he, he showed a lot to me in the preseason with his toughness, with his leadership. Um, I think this is a team with the NFC South being kind of uncertain that can really push to make a playoff run. But I think they like where they are with Bryce Young's evolution and with the pieces around him. And maybe in a year or two, they can get him some more explosive wide receivers to really open things up and make this a dangerous team for years. Next up, the Pittsburgh Steelers for our longtime affiliate in Pittsburgh, WGBN. Pittsburgh, you, you talk about Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season in all of his years as the head coach of the Steelers. Your thoughts on uh, how the Steelers could uh, fare in 2023? Pittsburgh Steelers, this is a team I am really bullish on. Very, very bullish on. I saw Kenny Pickett at the end of last season, and he was playing with just as much confidence as a 10-year veteran. And that makes so much of a difference when you've got the talent to match and then we saw in the preseason he plays five series, scores five touchdowns. Granted, preseason is the biggest liar uh, that there is, but with the, with the weapons that he has and the way that they were running the football, that's Steelers football. Defensively, they're going to be fine. I mean, when you got T.J. Watt and you got you know Highsmith on the other side and you have all these dudes who can get out to the quarterback, Cam Hayward, the ageless one, that defense is going to be just fine. Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, Kenny Pickett, if he gets it rolling, Mike Tomlin's not only going to be able to check another box if not having the losing season, but he's going to be somebody who can check more boxes about potentially making a Super Bowl run. And lastly, the Tennessee Titans for our listeners in Nashville on Radio Free Nashville. Your thoughts on the Titans? Tennessee Titans, a very, very interesting team because this seems like it's kind of the last run with the Ryan Tannehill Derrick Henry type of group. Mike Vrabel is one of the best coaches in the NFL. Doesn't get the credit for it. He will make them a tough, tough out. We know they're going to run the ball. And I think the addition of DeAndre Hopkins is going to open up this offense for Ryan Tannehill. D-Hop works in such a way where you're going to see some of these younger wide receivers step their games up, which is absolutely what's needed. But this, again, a very intriguing season with Tennessee because Jacksonville is on the come up. Then you've got two other teams in that division with rookie quarterbacks. So the Titans should challenge to win the AFC South. And if they don't, we could see significant turnover there in Nashville. Find him on NFL Network. He's Steve White. He joins us here on the program. Steve, always appreciate the time. Great to catch up with you, man. And we'll catch up with you real soon. Appreciate you, Donald. I've got some thoughts on Deion Sanders and Colorado's win and the HBCU National Games of the Week. That's all up next. The time is now, Aggie fans. The North Carolina A&T football team opens up its home schedule against rival North Carolina Central on Saturday, September 9th. 
The game is sponsored by Marcus T. Johnson. Kickoff is at 7 p.m. Let's get Aggie Land rocking for the 2023 version of Aggie Eagle. Purchase your tickets online at ncataggies.com and adhere to the clear bag policy. You can also call the ticket office at 336-334-7749. September 9th, Aggie Eagle in Greensboro. Aggie Pride. It's Donald Ware from the Press Box to Press Row. Welcome back to Box to Row. Time to preview the HBCU National Game of the Week. We've got two games, and the first game is a SWAC division or a matchup of SWAC schools as Jackson State going to be on the road against Southern. And you're talking about two of the best fan bases in all of HBCU football, so you know uh, on the campus of Southern in Baton Rouge is going to be rocking and rolling on Saturday. Let's look and let's start with the Southern offense. The quarterback is Harold Book uh, Blood, excuse me, Harold Blood, and not a great outing against Alabama State in the loss, 17 to 34, for 166 yards. He had one touchdown, two interceptions. He also carried the ball uh, in the uh, ball game for 22 yards. So that's going to have to, he's going to have to be better in that department. You know, Southern only rushed the ball for a total of 69 yards in the game against Alabama State. That's going to have to be better as well if Southern wants to win this football game. It's it's a different dynamic than last year. Southern is a, is a is a, I don't know if Southern yet is a improved team from last year. I don't think that's it, but I think the playing field is a little bit more level. Jackson State was just better than everybody last year. Not necessarily the case, at least to this point, not saying that Jackson State isn't good, but not clearly better than everybody else uh, like like the Tigers were on last year. I think if you look on the other side at the Jackson State defense, Jackson State in two games is giving up an average of 172 yards rushing. We saw what happened last week against Florida A&M, uh, a good run and pass balance. As a matter of fact, Jeremy... Florida A&M did a much better job in terms of running the football, but Jeremy Musa was still effective in the pass game as well. So Jackson State's going to have to find a way to corral that. And while Southern didn't do necessarily a good job running the football against Alabama State, you're not going to be you're not going to hold Gary Quarles to 30 yards rushing on eight attempts. Okay. Uh, Harold Blood's going to get loose. He's a guy that can run the quarter, the, the, run the football from the quarterback position as well. So I don't think that's going to happen in this football game. Let's flip things. If I look at the Jackson State offense, Jason Brown is the guy. Don't be surprised if you see Zy McDonald uh, play some quarterback on Saturday as well. Jason Brown's got some good receivers. Florida A&M was ready. Whatever. Jackson State was able to do against South Carolina State wasn't there against Florida A&M because Florida A&M is a a much better defense than South Carolina State. A bunch of playmakers and major bowler, uh, all of that, those guys uh, for Florida A&M. So Jackson State's going to have to be able to definitely run 
the football, but I'm, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, like Mulligan or Mulligan is legit. Okay. Um, uh, JD Martin is out for Jackson state. So he he's injured. So that may be a bit of an issue uh, for Jackson state to be kind of balanced against an aggressive Southern defense. Uh, if I look at this, the, uh, if I look at the Jackson, and we already talked about the Jackson State, Jackson State defense, but if I look again at this Southern defense, it's going to put pressure on Jason Brown or whoever the quarterback is. Four sacks last week against Alabama State. A lot of times you get four, four sacks, you're going to win a lot of ball games. Uh, but if you get any semblance of offense, which Southern was not able to do, against Alabama State on last week. So you have those matchups um, for me. And to me, the game is in Baton Rouge. Uh, Jackson State's going to bring, uh, you, you know, you're, you've got to figure Jackson State's going to bring a good contingency um, if the Tigers are able to get in. I'm not sure what the allotment is. I'm not sure how Southern handles the allotment of tickets um, to Jackson State, uh, but it should be, it's going to be a great crowd. It's going to be sold out. I think Southern is ready for this football game, and I like Southern over Jackson State in this football game. The other HBCU national game of the week, the Aggie Eagle rivalry, North Carolina Central at North Carolina A&T, and both teams opened the season last week. The defending HBCU champions with the 47-21 victory over Winston-Salem State uh, had a chance to talk with Trey Oliver. He wasn't, you know, he, he, he felt like the team played well in the first half, not so much in the second half um, overall. And uh, North Carolina A&T coming off a loss to UAB. The Aggies stepping up uh, in play. Um and uh, so you, you can understand that loss, but let, let's break down the dynamics. If I look at North Carolina Central's offense, I mean, it all begins with the all-world quarterback. And that, you know, that that's, you know, he's going to have to be key because each year you've seen him grow. And even last year, he, he had a really, really good football game, a really, really good football game um, against North Carolina A&T on last year, he basically took what the defense gave him um, last year and a lot of underneath stuff, a lot of dump-off stuff, and it was very, very effective. Uh, you know, Davius Richard was really able to get it done. I like the Eagles in the run game. I think, I think the Eagles' run game is is really, really good. This is the thing. And the, their receivers, the skill positions for the Eagles offensively, really, really good. I was at that game last week against the Rams. <clears throat> the concern I have in watching the the Eagles up close, that offensive line. I don't think the offensive line is as strong as it needs to be for the Eagles, and that that's not just in this game against North Carolina A and T. That's moving forward. On the other side, when I look at the Aggies from a defensive perspective, I think the linebacker play is good. B.J. Turner is the transfer from Charlotte. He had 15 tackles against UAB. Last week, I think the secondary play is good. The corners and Aaron Harris and everybody's All-American and Karan Prunty are really, really good. The secondary is solid. A&T is smaller up front, which 
the Aggies are going to have to be able to use their quickness up front. But again, against a shaky Eagle offensive line, they may be able to make some plays. Um, A&T last year only had 15 total sacks on the season, didn't have a sack against UAB. As a matter of fact, didn't put a lot of pressure on the UAB quarterback on last week. Switching things, looking at the A&T offense. Um, you, 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 you know, Eli Brickhandler um, will be the starting quarterback. K.J. White is a true freshman, the backup, but the Aggies also get Zach Yeager, the quarterback who potentially was the quarterback to start last season. He was out last week. He's going to be back last week, so it's quite possible. I, I, I think, if anything, you'll see Brickhandler, and then you'll see uh, probably Yeager before you see White, but it's possible you could see three quarterbacks. Thing about A&T, the running game is really, really good. Um, when you're talking about Wesley Graves, you're talking about uh, Christian, who's a new kid. Both of those guys ran the ball very effectively along with Charlie Dixon. Um, A&T ran the ball well. The issue against UAB, the Aggies didn't throw it well. Only threw the ball eight times, but, but ran the ball 41 times. But I think because A&T ran the football so well, the game dictated that A&T run the football opposed to throwing the football, thus the eight passes. The offensive line for A&T is really, really stout. Taking a look at the Eagles' defense, um, it's a solid defense. No doubt can put pressure on the quarterback. Good up front, good in the back end, in the secondary as well. Um, so the Eagles are really, really good there. I think what this game may come down to is in the special teams game, and specifically for the Eagles, Brandon Codrington. He had another punt return for a touchdown last week. That's three in his career. This guy is electric, and when he gets his hands on the football, can really make some things happen. I have no prediction. I'm not going to make a prediction on this game. I'm going to recuse myself from making a prediction on the game as the play-by-play -play voice of the North Carolina A&T Aggies. But I hope you really enjoy the game. I think it's going to be a phenomenal, a phenomenal uh, football game. And so want you to enjoy that football game, whether you watch, whether you're at the game, or whether you listen. Same thing in Baton Rouge should be outstanding. Give me your thoughts. Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Before I get out of here, I mean, I thought the Colorado win over TCU was phenomenal. Had a chance to see the end of that game. And uh, listen, Colorado did their thing. Shador Sanders was amazing, over 500 yards passing. And it really showed the work to me that he put in in the offseason because I, I knew he was a good quarterback. Could he play at that level weekend and week out coming into this year. And I think he he showed that that's going to be the case. But I think a lot of that had to do with his preparation in the offseason. I mean, Travis Hunter, you know, uh, Savion Wilkerson, all of these guys contributed that were former Jackson State players. Big win. Got to give Dion his props. Huge win uh, for Colorado. And we'll see what happens uh, moving forward. Colorado and Nebraska are going to get together so I thought it was a big win I went more in depth on the win and my thoughts on the HBCU football daily podcast which you can find on the box to row YouTube channel as well as box to row.com and there's there are some in the population that 
you know, want Dion to do well, some that don't want him to do well. I know Jackson State, some of Jackson State's people are a little bit salty and all those kinds of things. But in terms of black coaches at the FBS level and Deion Sanders being one of those coaches, I've got I'm, I've got some in-depth thoughts on that that I'm going to share on the Box to Row podcast, which you can find at BoxToRow.com on Monday. Got to get ready to run. Thank you to Steve Weitz. Thank you to Damon Wilson for joining us today here on Box to Row. For more information on the program, log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support Yo, Box to Row is produced by DW Communications. Oh,